0: Hello and welcome to the program. This is UFO Warning. Today's topic is the Reverend William Gill UFO Sighting, and this is from June of 1959 at Boyai, Papua, New Guinea, and it happened uh, there at the mission where uh, William Gill was the um, pastor, I suppose you'd call him. uh, it happened there. Actually, the main sighting took place at the end of the mission playing field, and we'll get into that a little bit later here. And what they saw was something that uh, Reverend Gill described as a totally foreign-looking object. Now, there were two main sightings uh, involved here, and we'll, we'll get into that too. But just to give you an idea of the object that they saw... The the main sighting, it was a classic um, classic UFO saucer shape. And you can go online and, and uh, there's a lot of uh, documentation of this, but you can see the original drawings that, that Reverend Will did. And it's a classic saucer shape with a dome, okay, on top of the saucer, and the, that dome has a flat top. And what he describes is a railing around it, but actually what we find out is a solid railing. And as they see this saucer, which uh, they describe as about 35, 40 feet in diameter, and about 200 feet up in the air. And the really peculiar thing about this is they see humanoid-like creatures, I think three or four of them, walking around on top of this craft during this uh, sighting, actually two sightings, each of them lasted about an hour or two. And he describes these humanoid beings bending over and waving at them in response to him and others waving at them. They couldn't make out their facial features. Uh, He says it's almost as if they were wearing deep-sea diving suits. Another thing he points out about the object is that the light didn't seem to emanate from within the object so much as you might think of, say, a classical... um, Hollywood type UFO sighting where the UFOs has, you know, lit up windows with light shining out. Rather, he said it seemed like the light was shining on it, almost like a luminescent. And he described that as uh, a dull yellow and a bright orange in different interviews. And he described a black or white uh, silhouette, basically, that outlined the craft Now, this is something that we've heard a lot about uh, even in our own uh, advanced space program when they talk about uh, aircraft or spacecraft that can manipulate uh, gravity around them and how this creates this halo effect around the craft. And this is almost what he describes here. Another thing he describes uh, is that the craft has a couple of bipedal legs coming down from the craft. And you can see that uh, in the in the drawings that uh, Reverend Will Reverend Gill did, right there at the scene, it's almost like the classic landing legs that come down out of a uh, spacecraft. Now he also describes that when this happened, it took place. The main sightings took place over two days, and it seems as like they started. Uh, around 6.30 or 7 o'clock in the evening. Now, this is the tropics in Papua Papa Papa New Guinea. And he says that, of course, it was dark out and there was only starlight. And as far as the movement of the craft goes in the interviews that you can listen to on YouTube, he describes how uh, a couple things happened. Uh, they have basically had two different interactions with the craft. Now, it was... Reverend Will, along with 38 other witnesses, saw these craft. He describes how uh, a couple of them began waving, and that's when the humanoid creatures that were walking around on top of this dome that set atop the saucer, and bent over. He says it was like they were bent over a rail, maybe if you were looking up at a, at a ship, say, where people were bent over the side of, a, of the railing on a ship, waving. And another thing that another thing that happened with this... Uh, he describes a young boy who had run back to the compound to get a flashlight for him so that he could begin taking notes, waved the light back and forth, the flashlight, and the ship followed the beam back and forth. Now, it's important to know about Reverend Will was uh, he was doing reporting uh, on the, in the area there. So his, his uh, first thought was to record everything quickly before he forgot it and he did that which is great because uh, he immediately uh, wrote an account of what happened and he wrote a letter uh, the next day to an uh, associate describing everything that happened in great detail and events leading up to the actual sighting and the sighting itself so we have uh, excellent documentation now Reverend will passed away in June of 2007, but there are uh, a couple of good uh, videos you can find them on YouTube one in both done in 1970 and I found uh, one videotaped uh, or filmed uh, interview with him from 1970 where he describes the events of what happened uh, very consistent his uh, descriptions are all consistent they seem very truthful. Uh, this is a guy who has, uh, you know, had a life of uh, uh, just being known as a straight-up guy, an accomplished person, and an extremely reliable eyewitness. And there's also a YouTube video you can, this, these aren't hard to find, where he did a short lecture, I guess you could say, or more or less a question-and-answer session about a 35, 45-minute uh, video recording Uh it, it's actually just a recording, but it's on YouTube. And he describes the events that happened and the events uh, leading up to that. Before I get into another written account I found here, what looks like what happened is he describes how he had been on a walkabout. Of course, this guy's a missionary. He's out, you know, witnessing to people. Uh, he's kind of a. You know, this is 1959. This is an undeveloped area, really. So he's out there, um, just checking things out, and when he called a walkabout, and the first inclination he had of this UFO was on a mountain uh, peak, a ways off that he was that he was familiar with. He saw what he thought was um, he said it looked like a sparkler, like a child sparkler, or sparkling like this phosphorus phosphorus uh, sparkles going off. And that was something he described about the craft he saw. Also, other than the the burnt uh, burnt yellow collar and the and the uh, bright orange, he also mentioned uh, in one of the interviews how blue uh, sparks were shooting out of the top of this thing as these humanoids were walking around on it. Uh, he said that they actually looked like they were working on the craft. That's what he said as they were intermittently interacting with the uh, people that were observing from down below. So anyway, the first account we have is this is this uh sparkling uh light off in the distance which sounds like it was the UFO. An acquaintance of his, uh, one of the locals, reports seeing a saucer up close. And then we have uh the first multi-witness account which happens in in the evening uh there on, on, in June. And that's where they interact. When he, when he first sees it, he tells the young boy to go back and get the flashlight. They shine the light back and forth. And the ship, the ship um, interacts with them by moving back and forth. Then after some time, it just shoots off into space. And then the last interaction, which lasts for an hour or two, he describes is, is in the next evening, about the same time, about, about 6, 30, 7 o'clock, they're having like a song service. And they see this craft there, and they begin waving at it. And they see the humanoids come over to the top deck of this craft, waving down at them while they seem to be working on the craft. And after an hour or two, uh, it disappears. And then he describes how, after it disappears, uh, the only sound he does finally hear a sound then, because this craft is totally silent the whole time. He goes back into his house and he hears something. Like it's, he thinks something has crashed on the roof of the mission there. All these things to me point to a classic case of a disabled UFO. And it seems like maybe these, <clears throat> these sparkles that he describes repeatedly. Maybe, maybe this craft is discharging energy somehow. And this is um, what we're seeing here. The fact that um, the, the craft itself interacts with the flashlight, the humanoid beings on top of the craft interact, this is all quite interesting. That shows that they know that they're being observed. Uh, we've talked about this before, about the observer effect. And even in the midst of what appears to be a distressful situation for this UFO, it still seems inclined to interact with the people that are observing it. Now I found online. An article from. Uh, from. UFOcasebook.com. And it. Uh, is titled. The Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea sightings. And this is must be the first article. In a, in a series. But, but I'll just go through a little bit of this. It says according to renowned. UFO investigator Dr. J. Allen Heineck, one of the most well-documented close encounters of the third kind, occurred in the Anglican Mission Village of Boini Papua, New Guinea, which was, at the time of the incident, still territory of Australia. So you have to remember this was 1959. This is a very long time ago. The Australian Anglican Church was very involved in missionary work, and and ardent in sending its heralds to the island nation. One of these was the Father William Booth Gill. Gill was highly thought of by his cohorts and all all of those who knew him, as far as the occurrence of extraordinary events was concerned. Gill was skeptical, to say the least, especially being a devoted devoted church worker. The first hint of the events to come began on April 5, 1959, when Gill saw a light on the, inhab- on the uninhabited Mount Pudi. This light, Gill stated, moved faster than anything he had ever seen. Now, if you listen to the interview with him uh, on YouTube, this is the first sighting where he's talking about seeing the sparkling lights. A month or so later, his assistant, Stephen Moy, saw an inverted saucer-shaped object in the sky above the mission. Gill dismissed these sightings as some sort of electrical or atmospheric phenomena. And this is where he he talks about this in the interview, kind of leading up to uh, the main sighting. Little did he know that these events, whatever they were, had drawn their attention to the sky above them, and soon William Gill would have one of the most celebrated UFO sightings to ever be documented, which was validated by a whole group of additional witnesses. This extraordinary event would take place at 6:45 p.m. on June 26, 1959. Father Gill saw what he described as a bright white light to the northwest. Word of the sight spread quickly, and within a few moments, Gill was joined by no less than 38 additional witnesses, including Stephen Moy, Ananias Rarada, and Mrs. Nestle Moy. According to sworn statements, these 30-plus individuals watched a four-legged, disc-shaped object approximately the size of five full moons lined up end-to-end. End. This unbelievable craft was hovering over the mission. Now, if you watch the videos, you will see and listen to um, to Dr. Gill. They did quite a bit of work afterwards, after the sightings, uh, him and some of the natives there, to estimate the size and the distance. Uh, I think he talks about how he held up his thumb or whatever. Then they took a, a, literally took a string or a measuring tape and measured the distance to get an idea of how large the craft was and how far away it was. So they really tried to do their best to do a scientific investigation of this and get the best possible estimate of what they saw. It goes on It says, To the utter surprise, they saw four human-like figures that seemed to be performing a kind of task Now and then, one of the figures would disappear only to reappear in a moment or two. A blue light would shine up from the craft at what seemed to be regular intervals. The witnesses watched the craft and its activities for a full 45 minutes until the shining ship rose into the sky and disappeared at 7.30 p.m., Glued to the sky, the witnesses would see several smaller objects appear at 8.30, and 20 minutes later, the first craft reappeared. This phenomenal occurrence would last an incredible four hours, until cloud cover obscured the view at 10.50. Father Gill prepared a full written report of this event, and 25 other observers signed the document. Now when you watch the video of Dr. Gill, you can see that he talks about when he estimated uh, how far up uh, how far away the craft was, he knew the cloud cover uh, was at approximately 2,000 feet because he could tell from a distant mountain that the clouds were at about that level and he estimated, I believe, the craft to be approximately 200 feet overhead. The first sighting a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence would be inc- would be incredible, and would be incredibly followed by another sighting the very next night at 6 p.m. The larger op- object appeared again. With its occupants, it was shadowed by two of the smaller objects. The article goes on and says, when William Gill's own words, in William Gill's own words, on the large one, two of the figures seemed to be doing something near the center of the deck." They were occasionally bending over and raising their arms as though adjusting or setting up something. One figure seemed to be standing, looking down at us. In a moment of anticipation, Gil raised his arms and waved to the figure. To our surprise, the figure did the same. Ananias waved both arms over his head, then the two outside figures did the same. Ananias and myself began waving our arms, and all four seemed to wave back. There seemed no doubt that our movements were answered. Gill and Ananias continued to occasionally wave, and their waves were returned. Another witness, Eric Kodawara, waved a torch, a flashlight, and there were acknowledgments from the craft. Gill went inside to eat, but when he came back, the craft was still there, only further away, smaller. After a church service at 7:45. Gill came again outside to look for the craft, but clouds had appeared, and there was no, sig- no sight of the object. The very next day, the shining craft would make one more appearance. Gill counted eight, eight of them at six forty-five. At eleven twenty, Gill heard a loud bang on the roof of the mission. Going outside to see what had happened, he spied four UFOs in a circle around the building. These four craft were extremely high in the sky. The roof was checked for damage the next morning, but none was found. The aftermath of the event would bring unsubstantiated explanations. The noted UFO debunker, okay, we don't really care about that, and it goes on and on, it says, um, even though some people tried to claim Gil was simply nearsighted, uh, the fact is he was wearing his glasses, and uh, of course, uh, the debunkers came out and claimed that it was Venus, uh, pretty much just a lot of nonsense. It says Gill was scheduled to return to Australia soon and it afforded an excellent opportunity for him to get his documentation of the case to the appropriate authorities. And you can actually go online, like I said, and read um, and read the actual report that, that Gill did. You can find that. It's not hard to find. It's very detailed. And the great thing about it is it's basically a contemporary report. Tell us exactly what happened when it happened. Now, uh, the interviews that he uh, did there in 1970 seem to focus mainly uh, just on the on the main craft, which they talk about. He describes um, to get into the, to the full thing of this. It's not just simply a situation where one craft was spotted by a group of people. What you have here is a four or five day or actually even longer than that, um, episode where you have multiple sightings culminating in this hours-long sighting by Reverend Gill and 38 other witnesses. And we see a lot of the classic signs that we see when when we see what appears to be UFOs that are disabled and they're trying to do repairs to the craft or whatever it is they're trying to do to basically escape earth or this dimension, who knows. But I think this is one of the most detailed, uh, interesting cases I've come across. Even though it's from 1959, you have multiple witnesses and you have uh, reliable witnesses and you have detailed, contemporaneous notes. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.